Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hey everybody, glad to have you back for another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. APHIS has reopened a comment period regarding a foot-and-mouth disease vaccine. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. We'll be talking about preparations being made for the 2021 crop as we look forward to the upcoming holidays. New cotton varieties for 2021. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. It looks like the majority of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo in 2021 will not be held in March. According to HLSR, the event has been pushed back to May 4th through the 23rd, pending the COVID-19 health status at that time. The following events have also been pushed back. The Rodeo Houston Parade, Rodeo Run, Trail Ride Activities, Barbecue Cook-Off, Rodeo Uncorked, and the Best Bites Competition. The Junior Livestock Show and Horse Show will still be held in March. HLSR officials say there are no guarantees with the pandemic, but they hope moving the majority of Rodeo Houston events back to May will provide a better opportunity for people to attend. Details about the individual events are being posted online on rodeohouston.com. The Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service has reopened the comment period on a petition to allow Zoetis to produce a foot and mouth disease vaccine with a modified and non-infectious strain of the virus on the mainland United States. According to Zoetis' petition, the leaderless strain of FMD that will be used in the vaccine should not be considered live because it is non-infectious, non-transmissible, and incapable of causing FMD. The company must petition for permission since introduction of live FMD onto the mainland of the United States is prohibited by law. According to APHIS, they've added additional scientific information on the leaderless strain for the public to view. The deadline to comment on regulations.gov is January 4th. World Agricultural Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekinowski gives us a look at the latest 2020 and 2021 forecasts for milk class prices and the all-milk price. For 2020, we pulled back our Class 3 price estimate by $0.35 a hundredweight, 
dropped our class four price estimate. So both of those are down a bit for 2020, but not enough to move the all milk price. So we held that steady at $18.25 per hundred weight. But then as we look into 2021, we made some larger adjustments. The class three price, we dropped by $1.65 a hundred weight. And that would put it about $2.60 a hundred weight below 2020 levels. So a pretty big year over year decline. That was World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. $13 billion is earmarked for agriculture in the newly negotiated COVID-19 relief package from Congress. American Farm Bureau's Andrew Walmsley says the money would help not just those helped already, but many who haven't benefited from some $30 billion in earlier aid. I think we're still in around that $13 billion range that would provide assistance to producers and also bring in those that have been excluded from earlier packages, such as contract growers and those that had to depopulate their herds uh, due to the spikes in the virus early in this year. Rural broadband, telemedicine, and small business could get a $10 billion boost in the bill. There was some specific uh, language for broadband deployment at about $6.25 billion, and then there were some additional dollars that I think get to the $10 billion. The COVID relief package is expected to be attached to a larger omnibus spending bill that provides added security for the farm safety net, such as more support for the dairy margin coverage and dairy donation programs, funding to combat cattle fever ticks and feral swine, and funding for the WIP Plus program. USDA's monthly cattle on feed report released Friday showed no surprises with the number of cattle in feedlots at nearly 12 million head. So about 5,000 head more on feed on December 1st than last year. That's USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum. He says the inventory numbers are very near pre-COVID levels. In terms of having worked down that bulge of cattle that, that sort of got backed up because of COVID earlier in the year, it would appear that, that most of those cattle have already moved through the feedlots. Placements in the feedlots were about as expected, down 9% from a year ago. Marketing's down 2%. Preparations are underway for the 2021 crop year out in West Texas. Eddie Griffiths reports from the Lubbock area. Well, the 2020 crop has pretty much been put to bed here in West Texas. Producers are now getting into the field, starting to make preparations for next year's crops. Still lots of sowing of wheat being done out there, trying to get cover in place to keep ground from blowing or maybe simply come up with some grazing or or grain for this spring. Still a few gins running in the area trying to finish up this 2020 crop as far as cotton is concerned. As far as the grain, that is pretty much all out of the field at this time. Producers are going to be able to enjoy this holiday season with their family, not worrying about getting back out in the field and trying to get some of this crop out. As far as the crop is concerned, as I've talked about in previous weeks, it was a little bit shorter than what we had wanted here in West Texas. But as we prepare for the 2021 crop, we're kind of where we left off in 2020, still needing ample moisture to work with before springtime comes and we start putting seed into the ground. Also, we need that moisture to help with field preparations at this time and the established wheat crop 
can definitely use some moisture to help subsidize irrigation. And if you're a dry land producer, you definitely need some moisture on that crop to try to get it through some of the cold temperatures that we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks. But as far as West Texas producers, they are trying to get things ready for that moisture when it does come. They're working frantically trying to get beds put back in place or simply go out and try to get the needed seed put in place so when it does rain keep that ground from blowing because that is a problem here in west texas this is eddie griffiths reporting from lubbock for texas ag today texas cotton farmers will have access to some new varieties for 2021 tom nicoletti takes a look Five new Delta Pine Class of 21 varieties were evaluated by new product evaluator growers located in all regions of the Cotton Belt, including Texas. The results of the large acre variety plots and their feedback on management and performance were instrumental in determining the Class of 21. Four of those seed varieties are well adapted for Texas cotton fields. Following the recent NPE Virtual Summit, Delta Pine Cotton Product Development Manager Dave Albers joins me today to uh, discuss two of the varieties. And Dave, thanks for being with us as we talk about DP2115 and its benefits for cotton farmers uh, along the Texas Upper Coast and the Brazos Valley. Delta Pine 2115, um, it's Bulgur 3X10 Flex variety B3XF. So, yeah, this is a product that, that's really uh, helping us uh, move the, the yield bar again. And, and uh, certainly with that early maturity uh, and, and a, you know, a shorter statured uh, product for Texas markets, we'd want to keep this on irrigated fields and, and more productive fields. But uh, under those environments, it, it's really shown to be very broadly uh, broadly adapted. It, it's, uh, it can handle kind of that medium yield range up to a high yield range. And and seeing ex- excellent yields out of it. So we're very excited about the DP2115 for uh, those parts of Texas, uh, Brazos Bottom, Upper Coast, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, it does have, uh, you know, adequate storm tolerance. I think that's going to be a good plus for it in, in that market as, as well. Growers, you know, they need more return for every dollar they invest in a crop, and, and these higher yielding products are certainly uh, helping them move in that direction. Also, Dave, let's move to a variety to be released exclusively in Texas, uh, that being DP2123. The best fit uh, is for the region uh, north of Lubbock into uh, the Texas Panhandle. Exactly. The, the 2123 is uh, it, uh, with that 23 maturity early to mid, and we've seen very strong performance in that, that area north of uh, north of Lubbock. It's going to be in our dry tough program, so that means you know, uh, it's priced in, in, you know, for that tougher acre, limited water to dry land acre, good seed size to help on, on emergence and, and early growth. And, uh, and, and we see it replacing in that northern market, replacing uh, northern high plains and panhandle market, replacing an older uh, product that's been in dry tough, the Delta Pine 1522. So it's got improved disease package over the 1522 and definitely a step up in, in yield. And, and one thing, you know, in that, pro- in that program, we want varieties that will yield in a tough environment, dry land, a tough environment. But when it does rain, you know, it, it, those, these products also need to be able to respond and, and produce high you know, strong yields for growers because that may be the one or two years that they're going to make good yields when it does rain. So that's that's definitely a part of, of what we what we have in the twenty one twenty three a good yield.
yielding product uh, with improved disease package over the older Delta Pine 1522. That is Dave Albers. He is Delta Pine Cotton Product Development Manager. On our next program, we will introduce two more new cotton varieties to be available for the 2021 growing season in Texas. This is Texas News and Views. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Geese hunting success has been sporadic along the Texas Gulf Coast. I'm Jessica Domel, and that story is coming up on Texas Ag Today. And you may think that baby calves nursing a bottle may not need extra water, but that's not the case. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that issue coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have baby calves nursing on a bottle, it may be easy to think that they don't need any extra water, but that is definitely not the case. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Keeping water for calves is difficult during the winter as the water tends to freeze. However, Dr. Jim Quigley with Calf and Heifer Research for Provima North America indicates at Bovine Vet Online that milk or milk replacer does not constitute free water because it bypasses the rumen and the reticulum and travels straight to the abomasum via the esophageal groove, which is active in calves until about 12 weeks of age. This is because suckling on the bottle causes the esophageal groove to close and the milk bypasses the rumen directly into the abomasum. However, if the calf drinks the water, it goes into the rumen. Free water is necessary for rumen development because the rumen bacteria that ferment feed in the rumen and convert it to volatile fatty acids need a water environment to grow. And without this free water and intake of dry feed earlier in life, rumen development will be slowed and calves will not transition well to weaning. Early water consumption in calves both encourages starter grain uptake and enhances the rumen fermentation process to digest and convert it to volatile fatty acids. Research has shown that calves with access to free water eat more starter grain and gain more weight than those receiving liquids only via milk or milk replacer. One study found that calves receiving free water ate 31% more starter grain and gained 38% more weight in the first four weeks of life. Most dairies do not offer fresh water to calves until they are about 17 days old, and Dr. Quigley feels that offering free water earlier is worth it. Although very young calves may not drink much, they will become accustomed to it sooner if water is available. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It hasn't been the best year so far for goose hunting along the Texas Gulf Coast. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Goose hunting season is open now across Texas, and yesterday we learned the drought is taking a toll on goose populations in the Texas Panhandle. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, gives us hunting prospects for the Gulf Coast. 
And then you go along to the Gulf Coast, which was historically the snow goose capital of the world. And through a number of reasons, there isn't as many snow geese on that landscape as what used to be there. This year started out with some really good cold fronts early, but it's really kind of leveled off and warmed up since then. And there are some good concentrations of snow geese right now, but for the most part, the numbers are below what we would call normal. And hunting is kind of sporadic and hunting success has been kind of sporadic down there. Cry said there are several factors impacting goose populations in Texas this year. The migration is really stretched out. There's open water all the way well into the Dakotas right now, all the way to the Texas Gulf Coast, obviously. One of the issues in regards to the Gulf Coast and snow geese is just a loss of habitat and a lack of carrying capacity. So historically, that landscape was dominated by rice agriculture, and that's what really attracted those birds to that landscape. Over the years, we've just lost a lot of that rice agriculture. Snow geese have really learned to adapt and stay further north, stay on larger, deeper bodies of water, and are taking advantage, if you will, of an abundance of corn on the landscape in the Midwest. So, you know, historically, Texas was the number one wintering grounds. Now, places like Kansas, Arkansas, even Illinois are wintering more snow geese than Texas. That was Kevin Cry with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Goose hunting season for the East Zone ends January 31st. The season continues through Valentine's Day for the West Zone. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It was a lower day for the cattle futures market, both live and feeder cattle ending up in the red. However, we did see a positive move to the upside for both wheat and corn. We'll take a closer look at our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a lower day on Tuesday for the cattle complex, both live and feeder cattle ending up in the red. December live cattle dropping 27 cents at 110.32. February down a dollar 20, 113.45. April live cattle down a dollar five at 117.65. The feeder cattle market lower also. January feeders down 72 at 139.90. March feeders down a dollar 25, 141.87. The April down a dollar 17. 143.57. Cash fed cattle trade still quiet on Tuesday. However, may see some action later Tuesday evening or into Wednesday as the feedlots need to get some cattle sold and the packers need to get some cattle bought before Christmas on Thursday. Asking prices from the feedlots out there at 110 to 112. No bids reported so far from the packers. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up 88 cents to 11.80. Select up 317 at $200.43. 
Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We go to Jordan Cattle Auction, San Saba, Texas. 3,726 head. The trend steady. Two to three weight steers brought $1.70 to $1.92 a pound. Three to four weights, $1.60 to $1.91. Four to 500 pounders, $1.45 to $1.90. Five to six weight steers, a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty a pound. Six to seven weights, a dollar twenty to a dollar forty-two. And seven to eight weight steers, a dollar ten to a dollar twenty a pound. Slaughter cows, fifteen to sixty-six cents. Slaughter bulls, fifty-three to seventy-nine. Cow calf pairs brought nine fifty to thirteen ten a pair. Pearsall Livestock Auction, Pearsall, Texas, 815 heads sold. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.45 to $1.70 a pound. Three to four weights, $1.50 to $1.75. Four to 500 pounders, $1.35 to $1.60. Five to six weight steers, $1.25 to $1.45. And the six to 700 pounders brought $1.05 to $1.25 a pound. Slaughter cows, 25 to 53 cents. Slaughter bulls, 57 to 85. Stocker cows, 600 to 850 a head. Cow-calf pairs, 900 to $1,200 a pair. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs closed the day higher on Tuesday. February up 10 cents, 66.02. The April up 2 at 70.02. January class 3 milk up 75 cents, 16.38 a hundredweight. Not a whole lot of movement in the cotton market. Things fairly quiet here as we're into the holiday trade. Traders waiting on Wednesday's weekly export sales report. That's the one that usually comes out on Thursday mornings. But, of course, Thursday is Christmas, so we get it a day earlier this week. We ended up closing with the March contract up 6 points, 74.82. May cotton down 5, 75.43. The December 21 cotton contract down 3 points at 72.33 cents. The wheat market saw more gains in both hard and soft wheat. July Kansas City wheat up four and a quarter, 584 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up three and a half, 609 and a half. The corn market was higher on the nearby, slightly lower on the deferreds. March corn up three and a half, 443 and a half. September up one and a quarter, 426 and a half. December 21 corn down a quarter penny, 419 and three quarters. Let's check the energy markets. January natural gas up six cents at two seventy-six. February crude oil down a dollar seven forty-six ninety a barrel. The financial markets mixed with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down two hundred points, thirty thousand fifteen. The Nasdaq up sixty-five, twelve thousand eight oh seven. The S&P five hundred down seven, three thousand six hundred eighty-seven. That wraps up our markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.